Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone, on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode, I think, 21. I'm going to lose count at some point, but uh, we're ready to roll, so let's do this. Pretty excited today. I have a I have a great guest with me today. Obviously, we are we are heading into the divisional round of the playoffs. We're going to talk some playoff football. We're also going to talk college. I mean, we're at this point where, you know, uh, I think it's important to kind of talk about process and 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 how to w- what you're doing with your dynasty team. And I get rookie fever. Everybody's got rookie fever. It's a, it's a legitimate sickness. We all get it. It's so much fun. It's part of the reason that we all get drawn into Dynasty in the first place. There's just no doubt about it. But, you know, at this particular point, you know, in, in the season, it's I'm not a huge college football fan. I know a lot of you guys are, and feel free to educate me. But that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is I'm trying to get as many people who are, are hip to the college game, pay attention to the college game. And today, you know, I have someone with me who absolutely knows the college game, uh, actually played college uh, football as well. So, just a just a person I respect uh, tremendously. Uh, I'm gonna bring him in here because I want to get I want to get rolling right away. You guys don't want to hear me talk. You want to hear this guy talk. Let me just tell you that for sure. Uh, today I've got with me Felix Sharp. You can find him on on Twitter at Sharp Review. Um, he does a, a bunch of stuff, but he's really a a Devi a, a, a Devi guy. He's got the Devi debate uh, in the Sharp Review podcast. Both are, are excellent. Uh, I think when you hear him, you'll, you'll hear why I had him on the pod. He knows his stuff and he's smooth as silk. And without further ado, Felix, welcome. I can't believe that I've gone from Twitter, you know, having about 500 followers to now I'm talking to the Jax Falcone. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. really just glad to be here. It's a, we're in January and we're talking about football. I'm excited to be here. I mean, it's, this is the best time of year. This is the time of year where football season winds down and we get to watch tape over and over again of these college prospects that are coming in. I love this time of year. And I would do this by myself if there was nobody following me. And now people like yourself, you know, want to talk to me about football. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Well, you've earned it. I mean, you know, I, I can remember, you know, I got a little head start on you in the Twitter world. And yes, I, I gained some notoriety. I started to, you know, have a little bit of uh, a following uh, people respecting what I had to say. And, you know, I gained that by hopping in and, and, and hitting up some of the bigger accounts and showing them that I, I, I knew what I was doing. And, and that's really what you did with me. I was like, no, this guy knows what's up. And uh, right from the beginning, uh, I also really just liked you too. You also had a nice way about you. And then I had no idea you were trying to get into it because someone said, did you know Felix has a pod? And I was like, what? So, you know, topic for another day, but Felix, you know, I'd love to have you on my team, uh, whatever team that is. Right now I'm with the Undroppables. So uh, consider this a cordial invite. Uh, you are you are welcome to join our team because you are absolutely awesome. But I heard your pod and like I said, you're smooth as silk. You really are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying that, you know, you do, you do a great job with the pod and, uh, you know, I... I don't know. Maybe you have a job where you talk for a living. Is that possible? That's true. I am a lawyer, so I do talk <laughs> and write for a living. Um, but talking and writing about this is so much uh, more fun. The Sharp Review, that's the podcast, the no solo doubt. pod that you heard. But I also host a weekly Debbie show with my friends uh, Matt Bruning and Austin Nace called The Debbie Debate. So we're on every Wednesday night talking about college football and everything. We yell at each other. We get after it. Um, so that's my my Devi uh, my Devi show 
that I've been doing more recently. The solo pod is, is is so hard to do by myself just because, especially the way I did it, I wanted it to be different. And uh, I haven't been able to focus on that one as much. But the Devi debate is um, uploaded every th- Thursday morning, Wednesday night. We record every Wednesday. So um, if you're looking for college football talk and people who don't, uh, agree, but respect each other. That's the Debbie debate. That's where you can find me weekly. Look, doing a solo pod is is very difficult. You know, I can, I can talk for a long time, but I I will, and the people who are fans of this show will know. I sometimes can ramble and get off on tangents. So actually, when I feel I'm doing that, I just sort of throw it to my guests. I'm like, oh shit, where am I going with this? And <clears throat> and that helps us kind of keep on track. And you know, of course, I do a show sheet to help me stay in line. Otherwise, who knows what the hell I'd be talking about? I can tell you that much. Um, and maybe that's a good thing, but you know, but on a solo pod, you really want to be able to hit it, but also to create some of that, whatever you want to call it. Like, um, well, since you're, since you're in LA, you can be magic. And since I'm from Michigan, I'll be, um, I'll be the microwave Vinny Johnson coming off the bench and you can toss it to me when you, whenever you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm more like, uh, you know, Kevin McHale in the post, a little (laughs) stiff, but I can get it done. You know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in LA or I'm near LA. I'm not in LA, but close enough. And, uh, but, but by way of Boston. So, you know, I'm an old East coast idiot and, uh, but you know, at least smart enough to find my way to this beautiful spot of the planet. Um, speaking of, speaking of beautiful spots on the planet, I, I, you know, I had, you on the pod, I had this planned well beforehand. And, and then all of a sudden we had some of the, the craziest things go on, you know, just, uh, just after I recorded, uh, last week, you know, with, with the whole things that happened at the Capitol and everything. And it was just nuts, man. And it was a very vivid moment. And, um, you know, since that day, we, we had a lot go on, man. We had yes, we did. six, we had six NFL playoff games in one weekend for the first time ever. That was amazing. We followed that up with an NCAA basketball game. Oh wait, was it basketball or football? I couldn't tell. The score was so fucking high. Um, they were just going up and down. But that the NCAA uh, national championship, and and that's where I'd like to start with you, of course, because th- this wasn't news to you. The players that were playing in this in this game weren't new and fresh to you. They were they were people you've been following for a long time, probably even as high school prospects. I know that you follow many uh, of these guys as high school prospects. Um, I'd love to get your you, you know your your sort of just sort of overall take on the game, but also maybe starting with Mac Jones as someone I think, you know, uh, is kind of an interesting character here because, uh, well, go ahead and tell me your thoughts and I'll go from there. Well, I mean, I can speak to Mac Jones specifically. Three-star recruit committed to Kentucky. No-name recruit. Nobody was looking for him. And then Nick Saban comes calling and goes to Alabama. Obviously, he wasn't supposed to start. He was supposed to be behind Tua Tungavialoa. Tua Tua gets injured. And he comes in and he shines. But then the spot wasn't really held for him this year because they brought in one of the highest rated quarterback recruits in 24-7 sports history, 24-7 being the kind of the recruiting hub, and Bryce Young, a Michael Vick, Russell Wilson type player, was supposed to take a spot. And a lot of people, including myself, thought that he would. But, mm No, I mean, Mac Jones held that spot and balled out the entire year, even without Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell, his second-best receiver, getting hurt earlier in the season. Well, he just fed Devonta Smith. I mean, I don't know if there was a connection all year better than Devonta Smith and Mac Jones. I mean, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's the type of connection that they have. And they exploited that 
after Jalen Waddle went down the entire season. The dude had 200 yards in the first half in the national championship <laughs> game against Ohio State. I mean, right. that's talking about Devonta Smith. But Mac Jones, uh, myself included, has been disrespected the entire year from last year him not supposed to be a starter to this year everyone thinking that a freshman, that an 18-year-old kid was going to come take his spot. He's shown some moxie because he he was not here for it. He was not here for any of that. <laughs> any of that. I I have a question I, for you. So I think it. I think you. I think you touched on it. So it, I think it's because of the three-star uh, high school recruit. I think it's from that that a lot of people are just saying he ain't it because. And and also one other thing I saw. Did you see his picture of him with his shirt off oh, today? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, I swear to God, I thought it was photoshopped. He looks like uh, he looks like a thirteen-year-old kid who eats ice cream on his on his parents' couch and plays video games. He's roly-poly, chubby, and yeah. I mean, I you know, I was like, what? Is, that's not him. And there and there was some talk, but so that also hurts. I, look, he dropped down a few spots in my rankings when I saw that picture. But <laughs> no, seriously, I think I'm I'm wondering. I look at these numbers. I mean, even last year he was great. This year he was. I mean, he was unbelievable now people will say oh well he had Devonte smith and Jalen waddle best offensive line i agree that does inflate the numbers to some degree he has an amazing line he has Najee harris they have to pay attention to i think the play action game probably works pretty good when you got mm-hmm. Najee and Devonte is obviously a stud he's been a stud the whole time he's been there but De- De- Devonte wasn't as good as he was since uh mac jones played and i'll tell you this you want to look at numbers year over year. Um, Mac Jones' numbers this year better than Tua or Hertz ever put up, and he did so without Judy and Ruggs and without Waddle. So Tua had all three of those players last year, and Najee, and the the whole. I mean, he had it all too, and didn't do quite what Mac Jones did this year. So you know, if we're sort of leveling for competition and and teammate score and all that. Oh look, Mac Jones did more with less than year. That uh, more with less this year, and I, I, you know, I guess I'm asking from you: Does it look like he's an NFL thrower of the football when he when you watch all the games? Because I haven't scouted all the way through. Yes, yes, he does. That said, he's still QB five for me in this class. This is a very good quarterback class. One thing, and the thing that stands out the most is that the guys being taken early in the first round, they can move. And not just move, they can run the ball. They can run the ball. Mac Jones doesn't have that. And True. I wouldn't call him an elite arm talent at all. I mean, he might be above average. But, Jax, we don't know anything about football. Like, nobody does. Because if <laughs> Drew, if Drew Brees and Tom Brady, if they were eligible for the draft for the first time this year, those guys would still be either day three picks or undrafted free agents. They just would. Well, let's put it this way. Drew Brees did go in the second round, and Tom Brady did go pick 199. So so there are things that you can see with the four quarterbacks above them, above him that, for me, require them to be taken before him. You're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and um, those four. Well, that's it. Yeah, those four. Yeah, Those four. Because they have some of the, the physical traits, and Mac Jones just doesn't. But would I be surprised if he – I mean, the Saints. The Saints are going to be t- be picking. Wouldn't that be something if the Saints yes. got Matt Jones at the end of the first round after having Drew Brees, who was taken at the beginning of the second, who was let go by the Chargers, 
and then made a name for himself with the Saints. It would be something because, and again, Drew Brees was a record-setting quarterback at Purdue under Joe Tiller, <laughs> but he was too short and didn't have the, the arm talent to be an NFL quarterback. Goes in the second round. Wouldn't that be something if Mac Jones ends up with Sean Payton? It's going to have a lot of That'd people cool. stupid. Yeah. Well, I think he'd have a lot of people wanting to draft him in rookie drafts too because Absolutely. at that point you're like, oh, system fit and the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, wow. I, but he already has his toy over there in Taysom Hill, right? He's got a big contract. He's going to be the next guy. <laughs> and and Jameis um, Winston, allegedly. That's what I hear. Allegedly. But Jameis, Jameis is a free agent, right? Uh, did he sign a one-year contract? I don't know. I think I, he I did. assumed I think that Jameis was there more than one year. Okay. All right. I think he's free because and, – and, and God bless him. I, I don't know if he's going to get – you know, boy, oh, boy, Jameis really screwed himself up. Not as bad as Dwayne Haskins, but he did screw himself up. But, uh, you know, he still can he still can chuck it, man. I mean, he's a little uh, – you know, uh, he's a little erratic, as we know. But I'd like to see where Jameis goes. I mean, the whole quarterback carousel is going to be quite interesting to see it play out because, you know, there's so many guys who could just up and retire. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's a, that's a topic for another day. But uh, Mac Jones, obviously you've shared with me that <clears throat> you think he's your quarterback five, which, by the way, I got no issues with because I think that's where I have him, sometimes three, five. I mean, honestly, after after Trevor – I have to think about what I want to do at two, which leads me generally to Justin Field just over, uh, you know, the the body of work, and then, and then with three, four, five, I think Trask is still behind now. The more I think about it, I, Zach Wilson's great, Mac Jones is good, and Trey Lance is is tantalizing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, again, landing spot and. Um, and draft capital will come into play. But if we assume they'll all be sort of, of those five, if we assume they'll all be top 40 picks, draft capital doesn't matter quite as much. So we're going to have to make a call on these guys. And, um, you know, some of us are going to maybe luck into the pick. You know, sometimes you're you're picking somewhere in the middle of the second round and one of these quarterbacks just falls to you. Like, man, I guess I'll take them. You know, I mean, some people probably did that with Herbert. You know, they're like, man, fuck it, Herbert's sure. on the board. And now yep. they're like, oh, I called it. I picked that pick 112. It's like, yeah, sure you did. You know, but uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, that that's kind of the reality of it is is in, in dynasty fantasy football, you do want to take a few shots on quarterbacks. Um, you know, if I'd have ignored, and I did in a lot of situations, Josh Allen and even Daniel Jones, you know, you sort of miss out on some value because – uh, while I still don't necessarily believe in Daniel Jones, he's still a starting quarterback in the league and, is, and has value. So a lot of these quarterbacks that we're talking about might be the same thing. So uh, And Josh Allen, very what, after being a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, what did he do, go in the second round of rookie drafts? Nobody was taking yeah, Josh Yeah, he really Allen. did. Yeah. Yeah, he so, really did. Yeah, it was really bad. And you know, I think a lot of people were afraid of that, um, th- that accuracy. And for the first two years, we were all right. And what Josh Allen did to improve himself over this last year, I think his – is awesome. And as a Patriot fan, I always say it's like, I can't help but love that team and, and that dude and what he's done. So I, I, nothing but respect there. Uh, move, moving on, though, uh, the rest of that game, you know, we saw Devontae Smith and, you know, I'm, I'm in a few uh, tech strains with different dynasty leagues. And everybody's like, that, there was the joke in one of the tech strains was, uh, you know, we were always saying tanking for Trevor. And, uh, you know, it was tanking for, for Smith, you know, was the question mark. He's like, is this the guy? So I think a lot of people have him with that vividness bias of watching him sort of dominate, are going to fly him up right up the board and put him at WR1. Uh, are you with him? There are a couple of guys that you have to consider. Smith, 
Jamar Chase, who didn't play this year, and Jalen Waddle, who played this year but was um, who, who was injured. The thing about Devonta Smith is is he's on the Chad Johnson, Stephon Diggs spectrum, but at the high end of that spectrum. I've heard Marvin Harrison um, comparisons for him. I don't know that there's anything that he doesn't do well. The one thing he doesn't do well is be more than 185 pounds. <laughs> that's that's, right. that's the one thing he doesn't do well. But if he was yep. if he was 200 pounds, I don't think we would be having a conversation about whether or not he was the wide receiver one. Um, he's been outstanding. I still have some concerns, though. I still have some concerns that just because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen a top five wide receiver uh, taken at 173 pounds. You know, how is he going to match up with uh, Jalen Ramsey? How is he going to match up with, with Xavier Howard in Miami? I, I, I just don't know. I think that he can do it. I think that he can do it because we've saw we've seen non-athletes who were twitchy like Smith and thin. I'm thinking of Deontay Johnson. They went from third round picks to being very successful NFL players. Um, the thing that bothers me uh, that I that gives me a little bit of caution is Devonta Smith isn't going to be able to hide from anyone. Everyone's going to see him coming. And um. I just don't I don't know. I, I really want to see him do well, but he's going to be an unprecedented players and unprecedented players are unprecedented. Right. So, <clears throat> well, I've tried to I've tried to find some comps. Right. And so the yeah. people who want to def- look, I'm not a defender or a hater. I don't I'm yeah. trying to figure it out. And on Twitter, what you do is you run into defenders and haters. True. And it's true. Right. Like the Marvin Harrison uh, comp is because of BMI. They're trying to find the guy that most closely matches BMI. That he doesn't really play all that much like Marvin Harris. Not that much different, but you know, he is just. I mean, I I've comped him to like he plays like Jerry Rice. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's so fucking good, he, and he's so he's able to change directions and not slow down. I mean, yeah. I, I, w- didn't you play? Uh, w- weren't I played cornerback or no? I played corner. corner. Yeah. And that, and, yeah. And that's the thing that, you about know. wide receivers. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not speed. It's the ability to change directions quickly. I mean, that's what Antonio Brown was, is that Antonio Bingo. Brown could hit a corner, you know, put his feet in the ground, and, and go the other direction without breaking stride, and it's just hard to change direction. Um, right. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's the most important thing at wide receiver, and I agree with you that he does that well. I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, and so when we look at BMI, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned Deontay Johnson. I mean, he was 183, but he's also 5'10". You know, mm-hmm. 6'1 and 5'10", you know, is bit is a big difference. And, you know, yeah, I'd rather have my receivers be 6'1", but instead of 183 and 5'10", I want them 6'1". Like even, you know, CeeDee Lamb last year came out and was a little thin, and he ended up being like 6'1", 199 or something like that. And it was like, mm-hmm. well, thank God, because I didn't want him to be 182 or something, mm-hmm. you know. And when you saw CD play, he would he would be able to shrug guys off after the catch, which was like, how's he doing that if he's not 200 pounds? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And he is a little thin. He's a little slender and a little long and lean, but he's got some muscle mass there because you know it showed in in the in the in the measurements, you know. And I think with with um, with Devante, his legs, man, are super thin. I mean, he you know he is super thin downstairs. 
And, uh, you know, that's a kind of an issue. I don't know how you build leg mass. I mean, so that's my sort of concern with him. Uh, Dr. Valgus will check in with us. No, I'm just joking. But, um, you know, and, and so that's a little bit concerning. And when, and when I looked at uh, historical uh, comps, you know, which I like to do, I like to say, okay, well, what are other players? Look, there's no historical comp because there's nobody who's done, you know, 23 touchdowns, 1,800 yards, and weighed one. Set. It's just never happened. He's six one. It's just no. Player. There's nobody yeah. who's ever done that. So then you look back. Okay, who? Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was six one, one eighty nine. Well, he kind of can be a Calvin Ridley type, but if he's one seventy two, he's not Calvin Ridley. He's something else still. Uh, he's certainly a better college prospect coming out. Uh, you know, if you close your eyes, than Calvin Ridley, but. Ridley is a bigger player. Okay, Tyler Lockett, 5'10", 180. Okay, well, that's still not the same. Robbie Anderson, 6'3", 190. He's stretched out, mm-hmm. but he's also a one-trick pony as well. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't fight for the ball and whatnot. He's also really fast. He, he also wasn't that productive in college. Antonio Brown, 5'10", 175. Okay, D.D. Westbrook. People mentioned D.D. Westbrook. He was six mm-hmm. foot 178, but... Shit, I don't want I don't want Devontae to be Dee Westbrook. Uh Dee Westbrook won the Bolitnikov or whatever and wasn't, you know, so then I go even further back. Hang with me here, Felix. Isaac Bruce, mm-hmm. six foot, one eighty eight. Okay. Counterpart. Well, that's still still heavier, right? Mm-hmm. Jerry Rice was six two, two hundred. I mean, he plays a whole lot like Jerry Rice, but he ain't Jerry Rice in terms of build. Marvin Harrison, six foot one eighty five. Look, I think we'd all love it. If Devontae measured at six foot one eighty five, we would jump up and down. Yeah. So I go back even further to some other guys like James Lofton, six three one ninety two. Andre Reed, six two one ninety. Andre Risen, six one one eighty six. There, none of them are one seventy. You know, it's just hard to find a player who was really successful in the league or at all that was that size. So he's a little bit of a unicorn. But, um, you know, if I'm betting on one, he looks like the one to bet on. I mean, even the players in the NFL are saying he, he's – I saw Chandler Jones talking about him uh, last night. You know, the, and you saw it in the game, is that Sean Wade couldn't get his hands on him, couldn't press him. Right. Standing no. two feet away from him, couldn't press him. He's got those those fast feet. And it may not matter what his body mass is because if you can't touch him, if you can't touch him at the line of scrimmage – then it's not going to matter. He's going to run right past. It you. doesn't matter. Such it a, doesn't matter. Oh, by the way, Sean Wade. So I, hey, hey, Felix, I don't really watch college football. So when I do like, um, I'll do mock drafts, you know, like, uh, but I just, I research through mock drafts because I don't, I don't like, I don't know the defensive players. I don't know any of them. I don't know. I just read and mock draft and read some more and it's nonsense, you know. So Sean Wade, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'll 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 uh, pick him for some play, some team in the first round. Those days are over. That dude is not a first round pick. I don't. Well, I don't care I've heard, I've even heard people say that he's not a cornerback anymore. That he might be a free safety. So oh, um, he was bad, man. Yeah, he's had a lot of bad. I, mean, I feel like in 2018, when Ron, you know, Rondale Moore, who's another wide receiver, rookie wide receiver in this class, in 2018, he had this big weekday game against Ohio State, where he, you know, had over 200 yards re- receiving. I want to say that it was Sean Wade in the slot who was guarding him, just getting toasted all game. Sean Wade's had a, has a lot of bad games on his resume. Well, I, I believe it after watching that one. You know, I was like, "Oh, first round talent." You know, great. Let's check it out. And no, that was that was not that's not the guy. That's not an NFL corner today. 
maybe there's a, a projection. I don't understand what the hell people see in that. That that was maybe he was hurt. I don't know, but it, that wasn't that wasn't gonna work. <laughs> that was not gonna work. Um, look across the field, we saw Justin Fields, and mm-hmm. um, I think that it's very interesting to hear the jury way out on on Justin Fields. I mean, it is all over the place, you know. But if we just sort of rewind a little bit before people start getting a little nervous, he was one A one B with with uh, with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, uh, which people are right? The people kind of starting to get a little nervous, or the people who are who are sure that he was a, a, the real thing? I still think he's the real thing. The thing about Justin Fields, though, that's different than Trevor Lawrence is one. Trevor Lawrence is a people don't understand that Trevor Lawrence's best rushing season, which is like six hundred and seventy-eight yards or something like that, is better than any rushing season that Justin Fields has had. But people see Justin Fields as being the rusher. Justin Fields is a thrower. And he is, at least to me, he is a see-it-before-you-throw-it um, quarterback. So in the Rose Bowl against Clemson, he threw for, you know, 400 yards or however much it was and six touchdowns with, the, what this, I think, the second-best statistical game he's had in his career. But you saw him see open wide receivers running through zones free. In the game uh, last night, uh, Alabama was playing man. They were blitzing and playing man behind it. And he didn't see enough separation, so he was holding on to the ball. So, you know, I, I like Trevor uh, excuse me, Trevor Lawrence. I still like Trevor Lawrence more. I don't know that if there's a conversation at two. I mean, as much as I love Zach Wilson, the reason I loved him is because no one was, was, was talking about him early on, and he kind of just shot through the ranks. I still think that the fact that, Justin Fields has done it at the Big Ten level. He's done it for two years at the Big Ten level. I also like Justin Fields as a person. If you watched QB1, you saw how mature he was and that the moment wasn't too big for him, especially when they uh, uh, Justin Fields and Spencer Rattler were on the same show. And, and in comparison, Rattler looked like the kind of immature kid. And Justin Fields from being a 17, 18-year-old kid, always seemed very mature. And then what did he do in this offseason? He led the We Want to Play campaign to, and was yeah. the face of college football. Just a very mature guy. He came back. He wanted to win the national championship. He's a player that's going to have a chip on his shoulder from the moment he sets foot on the field. I still like Justin Fields. Yeah, I think that he has flaws, but – Every prospect does. Trevor Lawrence has flaws. Trey Lance has flaws. Zach Wilson has flaws. I still have faith in Justin Fields. And I think he has, to use the poker term, I think he has outs. He can still, he can run the ball. He has the size. He has the arm strength. You know, I want to be, to see him be a little bit, uh, to be able to anticipate throws a little bit more. I want him to be less worried about his completion percentage and more about more worried about getting the ball downfield vertically, being aggressive. Um, but I still like him. I've heard a comp. I've heard a couple of comps that I like for him. Um, Alex Smith was one. Dak Prescott was another. Both of those players are players who don't turn the ball over. And and, and that's largely because <laughs> they're not going to throw it until they see the player open. Um, that's right. That, that, that's why yeah, Dak, Dak wasn't. Dak's a, Dak Dak's was, a see it. Yeah, Dak is a see it before he throws it player. Um, you know, Dak and Justin Fields kind of look alike. You know, that sort of they're they're big. You know, they're both about two hundred and thirty pounds. You know, six two, six three, two thirty ish. They play similarly. They're not really 
running quarterbacks, but they can run. Although mm-hmm. Dak was a little bit more prolific running the football than than uh, Justin Fields was. Maybe also by necessity, he played for a little less of a team at the time. I mean, he did have some weapons at Mississippi State. I can't remember everybody there, but they they weren't awful. But um, he, he didn't have you know a, a, some of the guys we're going to get to. But um, you know, so I think maybe by a little bit more by necessity. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Justin Fields was a better completion percentage than Dak in college, better yards per attempt than Dak in college, a um, little bit more prolific. And but yet, I think some of the flaws that we see in him are some of the things that we still see in Dak. I mean, Dak, as good as he is, is a see it, throw it quarterback. Um, you know, anticipatory throwers. You know, you'll see Mahomes throw the ball, and the guy's not even broke yet. Mm-hmm. And the ball's just floating in the air, and the guy turns, and then finally it gets to him. It's like, what was that nonsense? Same like, with Joe Burrow. That's, Joe yeah, those are the types of, yeah. yeah, those are the types of throwers that, that are rare. You know, it's not easy to do. A lot of guys are see it, throw it. So it's not necessarily a, a knock on him a little bit because he's, okay, so he's not that, you know, anticipatory. But those things can be taught a little bit. I think the – you know the throw he made to um, uh, uh, Rucker, the, the tight end, yeah, the one over the deep, middle. No, the deep corner one when he sort of threw off his back foot. That was an impressive throw. Uh, third quarter, they were coming the Garrett back. Wilson, I can't remember the, the, the touchdown. Garrett Wilson, yeah, Garrett yeah. Wilson, mm-hmm. yeah. That throw was something, man, because he did. He saw the open space, and he, you know his guy was actually being interfered with and being held, and he. Kind, mm-hmm. I think he saw that because he was like. I'll just give him a second to break free of that hold. I'll just loft it off my back foot. That was a really great throw. If I could just talk briefly about that throw, like that's the type of throw that you need for a see it to throw at quarterback. So I believe that that was a smash concept, smash concept where you have the inside uh, wide receiver running a corner route and the outside receiver runs um, uh, something short. And so you have that cornerback sit and the inside wide receiver runs behind him. So what Justin Fields could see on that play is all the space where he could throw the ball. Yes. And that, and he needs that created for him to feel comfortable, is that open space. Either the wide receiver be open or there be no defender in that area. Because <laughs> that's right. I don't think that he wants to necessarily fit it in. So yeah, That's right. You know. No, that's right. That's exactly right. And it was, a, it was anticipatory, but you're right. It sort of – it's thrown to space or, or or to an open man, open space or open man. So yeah, I you know look, I'm I'm tantalized by Justin Fields, and I think the question that we'll all have coming down to it, you know, and and we don't have to decide yet, but the deci- the the decision will be: is he your 1.02? I think for me, I mean, your your 1.01 still Trevor Lawrence in a super flex. Yeah, yeah, still got to be Lawrence, right? I mean, like, there's no I no nobody. I mean, Najee's great, but you're you're just pushing the button for Trevor at 1.01 every time, right? No, I think we saw this year, I mean, so we saw this year um, uh, Jonathan Taylor start slow. And in a super flex league, it was, you know, am I going to take Jonathan Taylor or am I going to take uh, Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow was the right mm-hmm. call there. Joe Burrow was the right call there just because quarterbacks score more points. And Trevor Lawrence is a much better prospect, at least in my opinion, than Joe Burrow. Um, because he has the economic height, he's going to run the ball, and he's a he's a great passer. Also, a three year starter at Clemson, you know, came in with all the accolades, and he's done nothing. He's won a national championship. I mean, t- Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. Maybe we want to consider Justin Fields just because it's boring to have Trevor Lawrence there the entire time, the entire three year three years that he's in college. But no, he's still he's still the the, the one hundred and one in Superflex for me. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. There's no question. Okay, so so I guess the question we're going to have is, is Justin Fields the 1.02? And now you can start making 
you know, cases for Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Najee Harris. Talking about a guy who was in that natty who looked outstanding is, is Najee Harris. And I think the masses started to understand what, what we kind of all understood, which is that he's not just a big, bouldering guy. He has unbelievable, elite feet in open space. And for a guy that size to have those type of feet, it's really why he's a five-star player. 6'2", 230. I mean, and he can catch the ball. Um, yes. I know that, well, he came back. He shouldn't have came back. He should have came out last year. But, no, no, he did what he needed to do to solidify or improve his draft stock this year. Um, it, running backs have to do, like, one of two. They have to be one of two things. They have to be able to be deployed in the passing game or they have to be a tremendous size-adjusted athlete. That's what the top of uh, the RB1s, that's what they look like. They're either one of those two things or they're both. And I think that Najee Harris has has the potential to be both. 6-2-2-30. He can be de- not only can he be deployed in the passing game, but you can deploy him vertically. I mean, we saw Aaron Jones last year. Half of his points came from the fact that he could run wheel routes out of the backfield and they can throw it to him deep. He's not just a dump off or a screen player. And that's what Najee Harris is. Najee Harris yes. not but Najee Harris is different because he is six two. You see Alabama throwing like fades to him. I've never seen that before for running backs. Where you see him throwing fades like over linebackers in the red zone to him. And so in non super flex leagues, it, this is a this is a weaker running back class. Weaker running back class. But I still like Najee Harris because he has both of those things. He has the size to carry the load. You can give him 15, 18 t- carries, but he can also be deployed in the passing game and not just dump offs, not just screens. He can be deployed vertically. My, my comp form is Fred Jackson. I don't know if you remember Fred Jackson uh, for, the, for, the, for the Bills. Now, Fred Jackson was you know a guy who was kicked around the league and eventually broke out. Um, Najee Harris is going to start that way. I've seen Matt Forte comps for him. Both of those players had extremely high floors. They could score 20 points without even scoring a touchdown because they could get eight catches and, you know, in 70 yards receiving. So I see Najee Harris as being an extremely high floor player. And so for that reason, you know, if you're talking about non-quarterbacks to be taken first, he's number one for me. And it's not particularly close. I think that two, three, and four at the running back position are up for grabs. You know, there's ETN, there's Javante Williams, and one of my favorites, um, Ramondre Stevenson. I don't think we know who's going to be the best out of those three. I don't feel comfortable saying who would be the best out of those three. But I know Najee Harris at that size and at that ability. And you mentioned his feet. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be the first. He should be the first non-quarterback taken. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, It's interesting because I think he probably solidified that with a lot of you know, sort of casual players with that sort of uh, performance on national on the national stage. You know, I mean, he just looked so electric. So he probably breaks the tie. And you know, I, I know a lot of people are, are are watching that, going, "I ain't passing on that dude." And you know what? I don't blame him anyway. It's not like he was. I had Etienne ahead of him at some points, but I'm leaning back towards uh, Najee. It's really close, I think, for me. But also, Javante Williams is there for me too. So I'm. I'm still undecided, you know. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let them count all the votes before I make, make the decision. But no, really, I mean, there's more information that I want, you know. And you, you comped, uh, you know, Najee to a few players. I mean, we've seen a couple of big backs come out uh, in the last couple of years and have some draft capital. Um, you know, obviously, the first and foremost on our minds is Derrick Henry. 
Mm-hmm. He's not quite Derrick Henry. He's, no. Although Derrick Henry was a, a, a pretty damn good receiver as well, though they, for whatever reason he's not used that way. But Derrick Henry doesn't quite have the feet that Najee has. It's just it's just the way he is. He's bigger, he's, he's stronger, He's not as more. fluid a mover. He's not as fluid a mover no. as Najee is. So <laughs> No. So Najee is absolutely a better movement player than, than Derrick Henry. But... Uh, you know, he's kind of got that that explosion and that size. Okay, so he's not quite Derrick Henry. So what does he look like? Okay, well, A.J. Dillon came out and, 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 and ran fast, jumped high, and had all that. But Najee's just a much better athlete in terms of catching the football and movement and 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 instincts and tackle breaking and, and just a better pure runner by leaps and bounds over a guy like A.J. Dillon. Uh, maybe you look at a guy like Leonard Fournette, and got to remember when Fournette came out, he was, you know, the 1.01 by clear measures. Everybody was so excited about him. So, you know, I know today's Leonard Fournette, people go, he sucks. Don't but look, he came out, he ran a 4.5 flat at 230-some-odd pounds. And, you know, he moved really well and was blowing people up at the college level. And he also was a, a high school wide receiver, so he has those catch, that catching ability. But again, Najee has better feet. So it's really interesting. It's, it's, You've got to find a big back with great hands and great feet, it's like, oh, wait a minute, maybe that's just the 1.01. Let me just draft that guy and move on. So you, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't know that Forte and Jackson, uh, they didn't have the size that, that Najee did. But as far as the versatility, that's my comp. You know, that's the reason I'm comparing him to those two players. Yeah, that's Najee Harris. And if you look at, uh, you know, well, we're not, we're not going to talk about that website. So ne- never mind, I'll just <laughs> we can move on. I, I was just going to say good, that – that, that, uh, Forte and Jackson, um, they're actually comp- uh, comps for each other, and I didn't I didn't realize that. My friend, on player uh, profiler, they are, they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And another guy, another Jackson that uh, he might be a lot like is Stephen Jackson, um, because Stephen Jackson was six one two thirty six, yeah, uh, first round draft pick, ran a four five flat, and also had tremendous agility score. Yeah. Also could catch the football. Not you know. We, we, we all may remember Najee's sort of old Steven Jackson, but if you remember yeah. young Steven Jackson, oh, yeah. he was a beast. I would still put Najee Harris's pass catching ability above um, Steven Jackson's. I would I think too. Steven, too. Steven Jackson was more powerful of a runner. And man, that that pass catching ability and again, the, the ability to be used vertically in the passing game, that's going to make a difference for his fantasy value. Absolutely. And if he goes to any sort of a, a spot where, you know, you can comfortably project any target share, it's all it's it's all the way wheels up absolutely no doubt about it um so moving along i mean i i'm with you i, I you know it's going to be hard for me to fade uh Najee harris past the 1.01 in non super flex leagues i i don't care what we see and we're probably going to see travis Etienne run what what's he going to run at the combine that dude if they have a combine what's he going to run i mean he's ETN? he's a 43 running back isn't he that's a 439 flat something like that yeah, I mean, you don't see very many running backs run sub four four, and I think he's, I mean, he may run faster than that. I don't know if he's, um, you know, if, if if he if he's a good forty time runner. I mean, you know, but if he's at all good at that, I mean, he could push, uh, he could push a low four three. I think. Yeah, he's fast. Yeah, the the question is, is what size though? Because I, I still I still love size at that position. That's why I think it's possible that Javante and. Um, who is Javante, Ramondre, and and Etienne? They're all they're all there for two, three, and four. But I think it's possible that at least Williams, Javante Williams, could be taken ahead of um, of Travis Etienne just because he has the requisite size. He's two hundred and twenty pounds, and I think Travis Etienne is what between two 
oh five and two fifteen somewhere around there. So um, yeah, I mean he's been listed at lighter than that too. I mean oh lighter. Who knows oh, wow. that, that? Yeah, I mean he, you know I I, I have him at you know five ten two hundred and plus or minus. We'll we'll have to see. I mean look if he's two ten, I'm happy with that. That's DeAndre Swift, you know, or you know something like that. That's fine. That's heavy. If he's enough, at two hundred, does that bother you? If he's below two hundred, if he's at two, if he's at two hundred, does that does that worry you? Look, the, the the further if he's below two hundred or at two hundred, it starts to bother me. If he's two hundred five and up, it starts to make some sense, you know. But you know, there's that Eno Benjamin corollary where Eno went in and like you know he ate a bunch of cheeseburgers before he before he tested, and you know so they'll mess around with their weight. But you know, I think it, yeah, I mean it, it does matter. I mean you you and I, you know, you we know it. Um, you know, I was talking about Kenny Gainwell, who I love, but. They list him at six one one eighty nine or something like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. or you know, six one one ninety. Look, that ain't big enough. That's no. not big enough at all. And as much as I love the talent, um, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be an, a, an ancillary player at the NFL level if that's the case. I mean, he's got to be two hundred, especially if he is six one. You know, I was like, oh, if he's five ten, that's better. But six one one ninety is just a yeah. string bean that gonna have a hard time. You know playing running back in the NFL unless he's just a pass catcher in which case that's fine but Theo Riddick ain't a first round pick in in a rookie draft you know right right and I I mean I like Kenny Gainwell but you're right I mean this class is a little bit weaker because of kind of the odd balls I mean Kenny Gainwell is 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 high up there as far as uh, and the the rankings of this class and still he's not like a full you don't see him being a full-time guy so um no, no, exactly. Well, you, and you mentioned a name that, you know, I have further down on the show sheet, but we're just going to go to it because I can't contain myself. I named the damn <laughs> pod last week, Ramondre. So Ramondre yeah. Stevenson, you mentioned him. And, and look, here's the thing. I need – okay, you're here to help me because, okay, I'm going to look up Ramondre Stevenson, right? And when I look up Ramondre Stevenson, and I don't know nothing about um, – you know, college football. All I know is, you know, what I'm going to do to this research. Well, all of a sudden I look, I'm saying, oh, research. Okay. Well, this year I saw him play. He was dope. You know, you're running fools over. He had six games and 665 yards. So, I mean, he was 110 a game, you know, uh, six and a half yards a, a, a carry. He caught the ball 18 times in only six games, 12 yards a catch. I mean, that's great. Last year as a junior, wait a minute, last year as a junior, okay, he was eight yards a carry. That's amazing. Wait a minute. Where's is, where's is his freshman and sophomore years at? I hear this guy's old. Well, what, where was he for the last three years? Felix, fill in the blanks. Help us understand. Put context to this guy's uh, performance history. What? Wh- where was he? What's he been doing? We could spend the rest of the podcast talking about Ramondre Stevenson. So let me great. Tr- let me try. Let me try to be. Let me try to answer the call of the question, as they would say in law in law school. Where was he? Um, he's a Las Vegas kid coming out of Las Vegas, Nevada. His senior year in high school, he breaks his foot. He doesn't play. Um, he didn't have the grades to get into any school and wasn't really ex- wasn't accepted into a JUCO. Doesn't play after. He's a 2016 class. Doesn't play the 2016-2017 season. I don't know if that's partially because of the foot or just because, again, not being accepted to a school. So he didn't play in what would be his true freshman season. Um, his freshman season ends up being 2017-2018 at Cerritos College. Cerritos College doesn't do anything his first year there, 2017-2018. 2018-2019 runs for 2,000 yards at Cerritos 
college. I think he averaged something like 10 yards a carry. Juco, whatever. So yeah. where was he before he was at Oklahoma? That's where imagine, he was. Imagine, hey, whatever, look up Cerritos, like uh, their, 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 their opponents that year. And it's, you know, there's some kid – you know, hey man, I think I'm going to play college football. You know, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm just a D, you know, whatever JUCO. Yeah, I'm just going to play uh, over at this whatever, you know, San Bernardino, uh, you know, community college. It's going to be fun. And then you're in the backfield. You're a linebacker. You're you know, you're 205, and uh, Ramondre Stevenson's on the other side. And you're like, oh no, no, yeah, he's going to score a lot today because I'm the, <laughs> he's going to I'm going to let him go right on by. Ramondre Stevenson was <laughs> highly touted enough that he has an ESPN recruiting profile. And at Interesting. six foot two thirty, he ran a four six four. Now four six four, I think four six, yeah four six four is what was his forty time. Now that might four six four might not sound like very very fast, but when you consider someone named Saquon Barkley in high school, his forty time was four six six. Justin Jefferson four seven eight. Okay, those and those guys weighed in much lighter than Ramondre Stevenson at 230 pounds in high school, six foot, 230 pounds in high school. You're talking about a player who is going to go to the NFL combine at 247 pounds. He should lose weight. He should absolutely yes. lose weight and be under two and two forty. But even if he runs a four, six or a four, five, eight at that size, that speed score is going to be ridiculous. And Jack, yes. you watched him. You've watched him. He has very light feet at that size. He has very light, really. very light feet at that feet at, feet at that size, and he didn't get the starting gig, double digit carry. You talked about his 2019 season. He didn't have double digit carries the entire year. Didn't have double digit carries the entire year. They uh, uh, Lincoln Riley continued to sp- split that backfield, and I have a belief as to why coaches treat transfers like stepchildren. I saw it myself playing in college, they want to, d- to defer to the incumbent that they recruited from high school. And I think that there's a little bit of that for them. Now, when you start making excuses for, for players, you can start lacking objectivity. But I think that that's why Ramondre wasn't playing his first year. His first year at Oklahoma is because Lincoln Riley wanted to be uh, give the ball to Kennedy Brooks. He wanted to split the, split the timeshare there. But you couldn't deny him this year. You couldn't deny him this year, and so and he was coming off the suspension. I forgot. I forgot about that. He was suspended at the bowl game last year for smoking weed. He and a D lineman <laughs> there at Oklahoma. So there are a couple of things that led him to being under the radar. He didn't even start this season with Oklahoma because of the suspension. But in the last six games or whatever, I think it was six games, but absolutely balled out. Showed the light feet. Showed like he has this ability to be running and a defender will get two hands on him and the defender will just kind of fall off. He's a bowling ball. He's a bowling ball that's hard to tackle. He has the nimble feet. You can see him setting up other defenders as one is falling off of him. Man, I'm really excited about Ramon Dre Stevenson. Breakout age is going to be a problem for him. But you know what? I think if people considered Brandon Ayuk. His junior right. stats, junior college stats before he went to Arizona State, I think your eyes would have been opened a little bit more. So, Ramondre Stevenson, yeah, you can make a lot of excuses for him. Broken foot senior year, didn't play what would be his freshman year. 
but then ran for 2,000 yards in his, uh, I guess, third year removed from, second, third year removed from, from high school. I don't, in this class, where I'm not very high on anyone, it, to me it feels like that Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders year. Yeah, I'm going to make excuses to move up, to, uh, to make, to, to move Ramondre Stevenson up because I, you, t- you turn on his tape and the, the tape just pops. I mean, the tape just pops. He has the requisite size. He moves like a player that is like 198 pounds at 247 pounds. I don't right. want to say that he's Jerome Bettis, but I do want to say he feels like a bigger Kareem Hunt. I do want sure. to say that he can and, be used in the passing game, so I'm really excited about it. So I made the I made the comparison last week on the show to Antonio Gibson, not in play style and who he is, but moreover in that we sort of saw Antonio Gibson play. The metrics were off the table, off the charts, you know, in terms of at the combine, his size. And then everybody said, well, he only rushed the ball 50 times in college. You can't be much of a running back. And you're like, yeah, I get that. That's a that's a fair criticism. And now we're going to have the same thing here. We're going to say, okay, look, all the metrics are there. I think he's going to run at least somewhat of an okay 40. He, you know, like I said, if he runs in the four fives, it's, it's, it's fireworks. If it's he crazy. runs a four, six, right. five or something like that, I'm fine with that. Cause he's huge, but I think he's going to be fine there. You know, he'll test. Okay. His feet are great. I think he'll be pretty agile in the testing. I don't know if he'll test who knows. Right. But we're going to have to make excuses for why is he a 23 year old senior who didn't do shit until basically his late in his junior year, senior year, you know, and you just laid out the case. You gave us the reasons why. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to succeed. It just means there's now at least a possibility. Because I always say a guy that needs to get to his senior year before he can dominate is probably not a good football player. I mean, that's just how it is. Probably not. You know, he's probably just an older football player. But th- this case, you know, I think he kind of would have been great all along. I can think of two transfers um, when I was – uh, playing in college, Grand Valley State University, one of whom ended up having you know a five or six year on and off again NFL career. N- neither one, one one of the guys had a, a was a defensive lineman who had the NFL career. The other guy was the fastest player on the team. Neither one of them started. Neither one of them started. And again, I think it's because coaches they they want to defer to at least a lot of them want to defer to their incumbents, to the kids that they recruited out of high school because they made commitments to those families, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, if Ramondre Stevenson, if he has a little bit of knuckleheadedness in them, in him, and again, he was, he had the suspension to start this year, then yeah, then that's another reason why a coach wasn't going to just hand the reins over to him. So, well, I think the next thing that you and I are going to be watching real close, I mean, obviously the combine, we want to, I'm just looking for thresholds. I'm not expecting him to wow anybody or do anything crazy. It's not like I'm going to be waiting with bated breath like I am with Travis Etienne to watch him run. It's just more like, okay, he didn't run a 4.78. Okay, good. Move on. You know, he ran a 4.62, ran a 4.67. Okay, all right, we're fine. We're moving on. Just move on. And if he runs in the 4.5, is great. If he runs over a 4.75, uh, you know, take him behind the woodshed. But, mm-hmm. The idea is is that you know I think he sort of as a as a dynasty fantasy football player you're sort of at that point you're swinging for the fences you know you don't want to take a guy who's you know average for the rest of the you know a backup running back at the NFL level oh yeah he's a 
He can spell with the best of them. We don't want that. We either want to hit a home run or know we missed and move on. And that's what Antonio Gibson represented last year. You know, we kind of knew, hey, if this guy hits, he's a stud. If he doesn't, he's probably a washout. So that's great. I don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't need a solid backup on my fantasy team. I want either a stud or release him, move on, and 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 that's fine. You know. So um, I think that's where we're going to be, and 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 we'll have to see. My next question to you is, and maybe you don't know, and you can say that, but do you think he's got a chance to be a day two pick? You know, yes. third, yes, second, or third round. Yes, I do, okay. because the class is weak. So, okay, a running back needy team. Like, I don't think that a a, a team that needs a running back. I think Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, if they need a running back, <laughs> I don't know that they're going going <laughs> oh to God. go Kenny Gainwell. Like, there's a lot. I think there's. I think that there's only th- three or four running backs that are going to be taken on day two. And day two is premium draft capital um, for running backs. Like, I don't even consider the first round to be the actual first round for running backs. If you are taken with you. In, the, in the second round, that is essentially – it's like dog years, you know. It, it counts yes, different. 100%. It counts 100%. Different. So, no, I 100% absolutely – because- yeah, yeah uh, you're you're 100% right about this first round thing. I mean, you know, we, if you go back and you look at all the first round running backs taken, there there's some real dogs in there. I mean, and you'll never see that again. You know, the only time you're going to see a first round uh running back taken is if he's like crazy. Najee might get a first round. And when I say might, it's like, well, yeah, he might not. I mean, and he would have been maybe the a top 5 pick 10 years ago. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, same so, for I mean, but same for same for Ramondre. You know, tw- tw- twenty five years ago, Ramondre would have been a, a first round pick. And and the thing that is going to matter for Ramondre to me is the weigh in. Does he come in yeah. at two forty seven, or does he show that he has a commitment to football and he comes in at two thirty five? 238 right. something like that yeah he's a big kid yeah 238 239 241 237 right right in that ballpark where it's like okay he looks pretty good because he does look a little a, a, you know a little roly-poly in the gut you know it doesn't he doesn't look like he's all trimmed out you know he's not Derrick Henry at one at 247 you know he's he's a little he's a little chubby but you know what his feet are great and he uses his weight very well and and he doesn't look slow out there which is what you know when you see all that stuff you're like wait a minute yeah, he may look a little big here, but he's moving great and and just doing it all. So, um, you know, he might he might be able to play at the next level. Speaking of the next level, we're gonna have a little bit of fun. We'll take a couple minutes. I just wanted to, you know, I, I kind of want to get my picks in, you know, on okay. uh, you know on the record. So, you okay talking a little NFL for a oh, sec? Oh yeah, oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah, baby. So, you know, we're gonna start the weekend off. Uh, the 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 unexpected uh, Los Angeles Rams will be heading to. Green Bay, uh, Green Bay. Last I checked, was favored by seven. Um, pretty interesting game here. I mean, you know, I said it last week on the pod. I, we, we all kind of liked say, the Seahawks to win just because it was quarterback uh, Russell Wilson versus quarterback John Wolford, and history tells us to pick the better quarterback. But I said in the show, I said, look, it could be the Rams defense. That's the that's the unit that wins this game. Can we say that two weeks in a row? Is it possible that this Rams defensive unit is the unit that wins this game against the Packers? Kind of a la what the, the Bucks did to the Packers a few weeks back? Well, I mean, what do you got to do to beat Green Bay? You got to get to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, well, the Rams happen to have Aaron Donald. You got to stop Devontae Adams. Oh, the Rams happen to have Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, they can win because they're not going to have to double Devontae Adams and they can make um, – uh, that the rest of that wide receiver core beat them. 
I I hope that Jared Goff is starting. I don't know. I don't know if he is. I haven't I haven't seen it. But no, I think that that game is going to be low scoring because Aaron Donald is going to wreck in havoc in the middle. He's going to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers' face right right up the middle. And I don't think that they have to double Jalen or excuse, they don't have to double Devontae Adams. And, and that's the been the thing this whole year is is Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. I don't understand why teams haven't guarded Adams like a gunner on punt team, but you but the Rams don't have to. They've got one of the premier players at cornerback in the NFL, and so you know I don't like the Rams overall as a team, but how they match up with Green Bay, I think it's good. I think their defense at the very least matches up with Green Bay's offense very well. L.A. does. The question is going to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you flip it to the other side though. What was the Green Bay Packers' weakness all year was run defense. Well, they got a they got a back over there. Someone told me he was he was average, but I'm pretty sure he's elite in Cam Akers and 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 uh he's going to be going up against a, a Packers defense that has given up some pretty big runs. Uh the the Rams you know, look, Seattle was starting to play a little bit better defense and and they did not look good against this Rams offense, especially in the running game. Maybe they can keep that going, and that's actually the recipe to win because if they can run the football, they can shorten the game, put a little bit more pressure on 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 Rodgers and Adams. There is a recipe here. I I certainly would not want to be laying the points if I'm if I'm taking the Packers, but at the same time, you could also see like it just get out of hand because you know maybe they can't move the the ball against the Packers. The Packers do have pretty good corner play, so it's going to be interesting to see if. I, how and if they're able to move the ball on the other side as you were maybe leading to. Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Jair Alexander being from here, from Louisville, where I, where I am right now, yes, they do have very good corner uh, play. Um, well, I think it's the, the the prestige and the the majesty of Lambeau Field. A little bit of that is going to be absent because of the pandemic. You're not going to have this, yep. the cheese heads in that stadium it's going to be essentially, I mean, other than the cold, be a neutral game field. So I think that that works to the Rams' advantage also. Yes, they're they're traveling, but you're not going to be in, ho- in a hostile environment. You can run the football, and you've got the defense to match up with them. The question is really going to be is what can Jared Goff or the, War, John Warford, whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> whatever you know, his name is, man. Whatever, whatever his name is, the, their backup there, whether or not that they can – you know, score 24 points. I mean, that's kind of how, I mean, I know it's a seven point margin, but I kind of see it as a 24, 17 ish type game. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's can the Rams score enough to win the game? Because even if their defense plays outstanding, the Rams, that is, I mean, what are they going to hold the Packers to 17 or 20? Like that would be a huge win, huge win. If they could hold them to seventeen or twenty, well, if they do that and you, they can't score fifteen points, well, then they still lose. So it is going to come down to a little bit of that offense. But I think I'd be comfortable, more comfortable taking seven than giving seven in this case. What say you? Uh, I'm going to take the points. Also, I'm going to take the points. Yeah, yeah. yeah we may sound stupid to uh, you know on <laughs> next next Monday we wake up and it was just a a route. It's certainly possible, but you know I think I'd, I'd count on that defense to be competitive and. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, I mean, he, you know, he's he's only human. Uh, so moving along to the Ravens at the Bills, which, you know, I thought this might have been a, a matchup uh, in the first round, which I was looking forward to. It finally gets to us in the second round. 
The, the line started at uh, Bills by three. It's kind of moving closer to the Ravens. It's now minus two. I don't know if it moved recently again. It may have moved by the time you all hear this. But, you know, I guess my point is it, it, it's close. I, when I picked the line, I picked it at minus one. I usually pick the lines before I see them just to kind of see if I'm seeing it the same way as, you know, the the, the odds makers. And I, I did have the Rave. I thought it's a pick em game and maybe a point because of home field. Again, as you point out, home field isn't what it normally is. Um this one is literally a coin flip. I'm leaning towards the Bills being at home. And, uh, you know, Lamar sometimes scares me, although, although Josh Allen mm-hmm. probably should scare us. But this is such a great game. I, I just want to sit back and watch it. I, I think it's crazy because you think about Bills at Ravens and you kind of think of like cold tundra defensive game. But I, I don't know what the over under is for this game, but I do th- see it being a high scoring game. Uh, I think that they're both going to run up and down the, the field. Josh Allen's been playing great, and Lamar Jackson is b- playing great as of late. He was, you know, not as good earlier in the season, but he's playing good as of late. And so, I, man, I, I'm still going to take the Bills just because of how they've been playing all season. I kind of think that they're a team of destiny. I think they're going to end up um, uh, being right there with the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So I'm taking the Bills. Yeah, I mean it's a it's pretty it's 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 definitely a, a comfortable thing to say taking the Bills the way they've been playing. I mean, you just feel better taking them. Uh, I will say though, the Ravens defense looked pretty damn good against the Titans. Those corners looked really good, huh? I mean, you know, I, the only the, the touchdown to AJ Brown, he kind of pushed off. I mean, I don't know if he did really, but you know, it could have been called. It wasn't. Other than that, they were kind of making some plays. Their defensive line played really well. The Baltimore Ravens you know, sort of stuffing, um, uh, you know, Derrick Henry to nothing, basically. So their defense is what I think it may be the difference because I think both offenses are pretty good. The Bills' defense did not look good in week in the first week of the playoffs, kind of getting steamrolled by Indianapolis. Indianapolis kind of giving them that game. So, like I said, this one, I, I would not be anywhere near this game betting because I feel like it can go either way. But I'll take the Ravens on the road, you know, uh, getting two points but man oh man I, I have no idea it's literally a coin coin flip for me so I, I'm just taking the two for that reason um move, moving on that that's also a, a Saturday night game uh late at the bills God I wish there were fans because that place would be you'd have the, the the breath smoke you know there'd be that sort of haze in the air on that one it'd be so badass but anyway you know pandemic sucks what are you gonna do all right moving on to you know Sunday and the, the first game of the, of the day is is the Cleveland Browns at the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs giving 10. Uh, by the way, the uh, over-under was 50 in that Ravens-Bills games, just to just to give okay. you that. Uh, but yeah, Chiefs giving up, giving 10 uh, and the over-under at 56 and a half. So, uh, you know, high implied totals for both sides here. Yeah, I'm still, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Um, there's Patrick Mahomes, you know, all the weapons on the offense. Um the Chiefs for now and for the next five, six years, they're going to be Super Bowl favorites to begin uh, every year. And, I, I, you know, the Browns, the fact that they won last week gives me hope because I'm a long-suffering Lions fan. And if the Browns can turn it around, then maybe the Lions can too. But I think they're um, they're kind of uh, uh, season ends ends here in, in Kansas City. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly would appear that way. It should have almost ended in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh really 
you know, wimped out and, uh, you know, with the, with the quarter change, they had that, that fourth and two, uh, you know, right around midfield down 12. They literally had that, the, the third quarter to fourth quarter change. They kind of get a little bit of a timeout. They can come out with a good play and run it and, and get there. I mean, you got to run your best two point play right there. You know, just get two yards, make it happen. Uh, they punt and, and it was over from there. I thought, you know, momentum is kind of a funny word. Some people say it doesn't exist. I think it does to some degree. I think people, you know, our, our, our bio rhythms are real, but also the Cleveland defense was shot. You know, they were just kind of like tired of being on the field, tired of trying to tackle and run and chase. I thought if they, if they could convert there, they could really turn the tide of the game. I understand the, the, the idea behind it is punt, let our defense play, but your defense really hasn't stopped anybody at all. So why do you think it's going to start today? I would just keep putting the pressure on and, and look, if you don't make it, you, your defense still has a chance to stop them. So, you know, but, you know, I thought they had to go for it. So they were really disappointed there, and, and they deserve to go. But the Browns, look, again, it's kind of like the Rams at the Packers. The Chiefs can be had on the ground. And Nick Chubb, this just in, is awesome. <laughs> Holy smokes, yeah. that kid is fucking dope. So, you know, they've got Chubb and and Hunt. Obviously, Hunt, Kareem Hunt coming back to Kansas City. A little bit of storyline there. Uh, you just got to bet with Baker Mayfield, which is never fun. Although I said that last week, and look what happened. So, look, the the Browns have a puncher's chance in this game, but it's really hard to pick against Mahomes. I think it's either like thirty to ten, you know, forty to ten, or maybe the Browns, you know, sneak around there. But you know, I, they could get blown out. There's no doubt. Um, moving on, uh, my my Super Bowl pick was Chiefs over Saints. That's still alive. Um, I don't know if it's going to be alive after this weekend because the Bucks are going into New Orleans and the game of the week for me, I think, I mean, I'm so glad this is the Sunday night game, Tom Brady against Drew Brees. I mean, you talked about both these guys earlier. I mean, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable 40 year old quarterbacks who are resetting what's possible in this league up against each other. Unfortunately, again, nobody in, in the stands in New Orleans, but what do you got here? You know, I, I wonder if Drew Brees is, is, you know, back up to a hundred percent after, um, being out earlier this season with the rib injury. I, I feel like uh, Tampa Bay, you know, having a weak opponent last week, that helped with them with their momentum. Um, the cha- the Saints were okay against Chicago. I think three <laughs> three is the right number. But we have, I mean, we have the week one and week nine matchups. Week one, 23-24. Week nine was just a complete blowout. But this game really reminds me of that season that Mark Sanchez and the Jets uh, went to the AFC Championship game. They lost to New England twice, and they got blown out by New England. I want to say in week 17. It was either week 16 or 17, one of those Bart Scott and Mark Sanchez teams. And they and then and then in the playoffs they beat uh, they beat the Patriots. I am I think I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. I think I'm going to take the Bucks to to upset the Saints go, to go to New Orleans uh, and after losing uh, the two the regular season matchup to actually take it down um, in the playoffs. Yeah, me too. I think you know both teams can stop the run. Really, I mean the Bucks are great against the run. The Saints' defense is really good. The one thing I'll say about the Saints is they possess that same sort of recipe that they can pressure with four and cover. But I think this comes down to the two quarterbacks, and I think you know both teams are going to stop the run at least enough where it's not what wins the game. Nobody's going to run for two hundred yards or one hundred fifty yards or something like that. Look, it could happen, of course, but I don't think that's happening. 
I think it's going to come down to mano y mano, Breeze versus Brady, which is exactly what we all want. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I think the Bucks have a few more weapons. I think the Bucks have a slightly better quarterback at this point in, in, in Tom Brady. I mean, they're both obviously, you know, you know, uh, old. I mean, you know, but they're both playing at such a high level. But I think Brady is just hitting it just a little bit better. And it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. We know that. It's not going to be out of reach for either of these teams. I mean, this day and age, you can be down 14 with the fourth quarter to go. You're not out of it. So it's coming down to that fourth quarter. It's going to be a passing, you know, second half. And and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that one. But I'm, I'm going to say that the Bucks are able to convert and, and make plays down the stretch at a higher rate and win the game that way. Uh, but it's going to be close. So I'd happily take the Bucks getting points. Um, but enough about the actual NFL. The reason that I have Felix here is to talk rookie. So we're going to get back into it a little bit. We'll finish the show with a, with a couple more rookies that we all want to hear uh, Felix tell us about. Because I'm sure after that Ramondre Stevenson uh, info and intel and all the rest of the, the awesome stuff you're, you're dropping here, uh, you know, everybody wants to hear more. I know I do. I could talk to you all night, but I know that we can't do that. It's it's late on the uh, on the East Coast where, where you know not the East Coast, but uh, you know I'm on the West Coast. It's a little earlier, a little later for you, so I'll get you rolling. But I, I, there's a couple of players that I wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, I had sent you a um, a little text. I said, "Hey man, just tell me some guys that you want to talk about," and you hit me right in the right in the chest <laughs> with Tamori and Terry. Um, you know, I love this guy. So tell yeah. me a little bit about what, what you know of Tamori and Terry and why you wanted to talk about him. Well, if there was a player who could essentially come out of nowhere to dominate the NFL, I think that it's Tamari on Terry. Out of Florida State, they had quarterback issues there. But this, I mean, I, I, I want to, I believe that your off your audience knows about him. But this is a six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound wide receiver, who again, run, runs like Tyreek Hill, and that's not hyperbole. In high school, he was clocked at uh, twenty nine, twenty one point nine two miles per hour. That was in high school. I don't have his highest, uh, um, uh, college speed time, but this year. Uh, in the NFL, um, here were some of the the highest speed the highest speeds twenty three point nine. That's uh, Raheem Mostert. Raheem, Raheem Mostert actually had the top two twenty three point nine twenty two point seven three. Uh, you're looking at Jonathan Taylor twenty two point five. Tyreek Hill his highest this year twenty uh, twenty one point nine one. And we're talking about we're talking about Tamarion Terry being in high school, recording a twenty one point nine two. And I've seen uh, stuff on uh, reports on Twitter that he got to 23 miles per hour uh, this year. You're talking about a six foot four, again, 215 to 220 pound receiver who's going to run a four three three four three zero something like that, and (laughs) (laughs) broke out as a sophomore over a thousand yards for again a putrid Florida State offense. Left the team. Uh, this year early kind of had run-ins with the coaches but his physical there was a point last year when I thought that he could be the first receiver taken because there's not another receiver that provides that combination of physical attributes now he's inconsistent with his hands but if I can throw legitimately throw a screen pass to a six foot four receiver and they just run away from power five 
competition. Yeah, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. I've I've seen him taken in the third round. I've seen him go to the Chiefs, you know, in the second round. I would love that. But Tamari on Terry, people are kind of down on him, at least the Debbie community is, because of the season that he had this year. But Florida State's ah. quarterback position has been bad for some time. But I can't I can't look away from six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, four three oh or whatever it is, fluid mover. Yeah. Sign me up for that. He's either going to be, you know, Dorel Green Beckham huh. or a top fifteen ish wide receiver very soon. I love that. That's a that's so perfect. That was fire. I loved it. So, you know, that was so good. I love this kid. I love watching him play. Yeah, if we start talking about, well, what don't we see? Well, a lot of what we don't see is because we can't see it because he played in such a shithole offense. And so you're not going to see Aaron Rodgers types type back shoulder throws on, you know, on, uh, you know, on fades and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, sideline fades and stuff like that, where he's just getting the ball back shoulders and things like that. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. You're not going to see any of those examples. And if you do, the ball probably sailed over his head. So it really doesn't matter. Like it's really tough to, to, to gauge with film as to whether or not this kid is capable of doing those things. So some of it is unknown, but what we do look for from a data standpoint is we look for college dominance and uh, breakout age, early age-adjusted college dominance. That's what we look for. That's the that's the key to unlocking uh, you know wide receivers in, in in the NFL and understanding. And then draft capital. So if you have a early dominant college player who's drafted early, well, that's a pretty good shot. He's going to be good. And and some critics and you pointed them out. Um, with the raw numbers, you know, look, he only had almost 1,200 yards as a sophomore, which, by the way, is awesome, even as a raw number counter, and 750 yards as a freshman. Well, that's not that good. Okay, it's fine. But you got to remember, as a freshman, his dominator was over 30%. So for me, from my metric, he broke out. Uh, he had about 23% of the yards for the team and 40% of the touchdowns um, as a true freshman, and he was 21 yards a catch. So when he got it, he was gone. You know, he had 35 catches. Who knows how many yards he'd had because eight times he ran into the end zone. So he could have still been going. So 21 yards a catch, and he's still running today. As a sophomore, which is really the year you really want to hone in on, is when, when, when players are able to dominate as a sophomore, they're very often going to be great in the NFL. He had a, a 35% dominator. He, he was 34% yard, 37% touchdown. Uh, of the team's touchdowns, so absolutely dominant. Even though it was eleven eighty eight and nine touchdowns, not not gaudy numbers, but they were because his team was pretty terrible, and he didn't have someone to deliver him the ball, uh, you know, on time and in, in, in spots. So he's going to be a little bit of a raw project. I, I equated him a little bit to like a, a a DJ Chark who came from a similar situation and had a similar body, although. Terry's actually a little bit bigger than than Chark, but you know that's six three two hundred uh, Chark. Maybe he's two ten, but you know Terry's probably two ten two fifteen, like you say. But I think they're very similar. Both huge speed guys, uh, dominated in the structure of their offense. And you said something that is super interesting. A lot of the Devi guys are down on him because of this past season, which makes sense. Because if I'm holding him right now, I'm ready to see him go off and and for that stock to rise. 
and he didn't. He he, he had a, a throwaway season. Pandemic, you could see he didn't – I don't know if he didn't play a few games. I mean, I think there was probably a lot going on there because, you know, even when he was active, he had a couple zero-target games. He's not a zero-target yeah. player, so I'm throwing away the junior year. Um, you know, I, I, maybe he got hurt. I don't even know. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even care. Now I'm just looking at a couple things. What does he test at and where does he get drafted? In other words, you know, is he a, he's got to be a day two guy. I mean, I can't imagine him going fourth round. Um, so if he gets that type of that capital, uh, I'm, I'm with you, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm holding your hand running through the, the, the fields, uh, singing Timorian's name. And you know what, you know, we play fantasy football to have fun. I don't know that there's another wide receiver that it would be more fun to have uh, on your <laughs> yeah. team than Tamarion Terry. Yeah, well said, man. No doubt. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him uh, uh, play. And you're right. He's a little bit boom or bust, right? Because if he can't develop those nuanced uh, things at the NFL level, he is D- Doriel Green Beckham or you know Brashad Perryman or something like that. You know, oh yeah, another big guy who can run fast, but that age-adjusted dominance, uh, you know, at, at a big school, it does speak to me, and uh, I'm glad to hear you say that you love him. I'll, I'll be looking to talk to a couple of other film guys down the down the road to see what they think. Um, you know, a couple other wide receivers while we're here, a, a guy that I love that I think is a lot like uh, uh, Terry McLaurin is Tylen Wallace, who I feel like just never didn't perform. I mean, he even performed well coming back from an ACL. Like he, he didn't skip a beat. Um, what, what's your, what's your sort of take on, on Tylen Wallace? I want to be honest. There are players that I watch and I feel something emotionally immediately. And I just don't feel that watching Tylen Wallace, um, six foot, 190 pounds. He's a good contested catch player, but I don't think that that translates to the NFL. I wonder Yes, and he has been very productive. But I wonder what athletic trait he's going to have to rely on at the next level. I don't see him as being kind of a stretch Z where he's going to – and maybe you do. Maybe you see – I don't see him stretching the field and kind of being a deep threat. Um, I I think he could be a kind of a possession guy, maybe a Robert Woods type player. Um, But when I – just when I watch Tylen Wallace, I don't know that he's – Twitchy, like some receivers that I like, like I mentioned Deontay Johnson, uh, Stephon Diggs. Those are sub-athletes that are, are twitchy and, and are good route runners. I think that Tylen Wallace is a good route runner, but he's not as twitchy as those players. I just I, – I don't I – don't, when, I, when I watch him, I don't – I'm not wild. I'm not wild. And I felt the same way um, by his uh, – uh, 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 the alumni there, uh, James Washington coming out of the the same school. So um, that's, that's, you should let me know what you think. Uh, Maybe that'll change my perspective when I go back and watch, watch him. But, you know, I usually look for what trait, what, what physical trait, what is this player going to rely on at the next level? And I don't necessarily see that with Tylen Wallace. So what do you, what do you think? Well, it's, a, it's a, you know, look, I'm not a college football expert. I don't watch a lot of college football. I watch a little bit. And what I saw from him was it looked like he had speed. Yeah. Um, you know, it looked like he had speed for sure. But if you're saying that you don't have an elite trade on him, that maybe he isn't, you know, that fast. Maybe he is sort of, 
you know, upper four fives. I mean, excuse me, upper four fours, low four fives, somewhere around a four five player, which is fine. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, we talk about, you know, I did the anatomy of a, of an elite wide receiver. You don't need to be fast, but you do have to have an elite trait. And as you point out, if you don't have an elite trait, then, you know, I don't know that route running is his elite trait. I agree with you there. I think he's more of a, of a speed, uh, of a speed player who can win with, he's got hops, man. Like he'll mm-hmm. get up. He does. Like you talk about contested catches because he can jump like crazy. He's, I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. So you can throw it up for him and he'll go get it. In the Tulsa game, Tulsa has two very physical corners and they essentially pass interfered with him the entire game, but he was still <laughs> able to go above them and, and, and make some really um, strong contested catches. But I just want, I just worry about, you know, a six foot player being relied on as a contested catch player. One is because, you know, I don't know that NFL quarterbacks are really throwing contested catch balls anymore because they want to eliminate turnovers and throw more high percentage passes. And so, and because he doesn't have the size, you know, he's not six, three, he's not six, four, he's six foot. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if tomorrow, if, if Tylen Wallace is going to be used this way at the next level. And so then what, you know, then what do we go to? Is he a deep threat? And I don't see, I don't particularly see him being a deep threat. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you know. he's also not Tyler Boyd, right? You know, he's right. not this sort of slot technician. No, uh, so no, used outside. I'll, the yeah, I'll give you that. State, so, but but you know, opinions on him. That's one that opinions on uh, on him are are kind of all over the place. And it could be that just as a, and I'm not a college football expert either. It could just be that that type of player. Um, I just have a blind spot for, for for scouting, and that that could that could be the that could be the case. So we'll have to see. No, it's a, it, I like it, man. I like that you put my the brakes on a little bit for me uh, because I was starting to, you know, my mind was going out to best case scenarios and all that sort of thing. And yeah, Robert Woods is actually a pretty good one because, you know, he's kind of that same way. I mean, I, I think Robert Woods was. I'm going to look him up real quick while I'm talking, but I, I mean, he's a definitely a plus athlete. I mean, he's not a He's not a burner, but I wouldn't be surprised. Four five one, so he ran a four five one. Although he was a little bit, I, I you know, look, he didn't jump very much either. He had a twenty twenty one percentile uh, burst score. Uh, so I think clearly Tylen will be very bursty because he can mm-hmm. jump. We know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gonna yeah. jump. He's gonna jump. I did, I really just don't have anything else on Ty, on Tylen Wallace. <laughs> That's awesome. Well said. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, so the other guy I threw on the show sheet, I don't know if you saw it was, um, actually I didn't put him on the show sheet, but I'm going to ask you about him a little cold here. Uh, two guys. Okay. There's two guys that I don't know what the hell's going on because I'm not a college football guy and they weren't on my radar last year, but now they are and people talking all about them. And I saw this gentleman get a first round draft grade from Todd McShay, which means very little, but it means something, and, and that's Elijah Moore, the kid out of yeah. Old Miss. Uh, they list him here at 5'9", 185. It, is, I did not see that coming. I, is Am I missing something with Elijah Moore, or is Todd McShay doing Todd McShay things? I Okay, I like Elijah Moore. I think Todd McShay is doing a Todd McShay things, though. But if there was a wide receiver who was putting up bananas numbers outside of Devonta Smith, it was Elijah Moore. And that old Miss offense. Now he is a slot dynamo, which is why I don't think that he's going to be going in the first round. You just don't see slot receivers really taken in the first round. 
But in the second or third round, yes, and put him in the slot. Try to guard him. Try to guard him. Um, it's impossible. I, 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 I really like – you talk about Twitchy. I believe Elijah Moore has it. Um, but not – this is the – Elijah Moore is the example for why you want to have second and third round picks in this draft class. It's because a player like that is going to be taken at the end of the second round or something like that. And he could right. very well he could be a player that leads the NFL in receptions, um, <laughs> right? So so yeah no I I like I like I like Elijah Moore. I don't think that he is a a a first round talent because he's a slot. He's a slot, and I think that you see kind of the guys who can play outside or mix in outside and inside. Um, the, they're the guys that, who get their the early uh, the first round draft capital, and I don't I don't see. Um, Elijah Moore playing outside very much. If if you had put Diami Brown on this Alabama team, what would have happened? Ooh, uh, with all of them, <laughs> right? I mean, he's already really good. He's already really good. I mean, um, both of those, Daz Newsom and Diami Brown, are really good players. Uh, you know, again, just another reason to have second round picks and third round pick Dimey Dime Brown might even be a third round pick. I mean, this wide receiver class goes 20 deep. Um, and he's one of those, again, he's one of those day two picks that somebody's going to pick up in the second round of rookie drafts and is going to be very productive for him. Yeah. I, I agree with the, the depth of the class. I'm, I will tell you that my rankings, I don't even, I haven't posted any rankings yet for the 2021 class. I don't think really, because I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough of the data. Even the, even the raw data is not even, I haven't really put it all together. It's not even that time for me. It's just sort of start digging in, start understanding who these players are. So that way, when you start watching the film, if you do that, some people don't. You don't have to watch film. I do say that you do have to know something about these players, but you know, film it can help a little. And and most of us have lives and we're busy. I know you're a busy dude. And while you watch college football as a as a hobby and as a as a as something fun to do, it's not easy to go watch all these you know all twenty two yeah. uh, film for every one of these prospects. It's just not that easy to do. That's true. If it was my job, I'd do it, and I feel I'd do it well. But I don't. I don't have that kind of freak time. Um, but you know, I will, I will, I will, you know, watch as fast as I can. Um, and then try to, I try to look for things like you were talking about. What's the elite trait? I try to look for, yeah, cause you could watch a ton of Tamari and Terry and all you see, like you say, is a screen pass. He's gone. Okay. Well, yeah, I already knew that he's fast. He's athletic. He'll gonna, he's going to beat you up. Can he do all these other things? You're just looking for one or two examples in a few games where he has that chance to show you whether or not they can or can't do it. So sometimes the film watching is, is, is just infuriating because you really are just watching highlights a lot of the times, but I I digress. You talk about that, that deep class. I mean, look, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown. We haven't talked about, I think he's just sort of that Jack of all trades type of player. I mean, you know, Tylen Wallace, Jalen Waddle, Terrace Marshall, Chris Olave, Diami Brown, Elijah Moore, Seth Williams, Tamorian Terry, mm-hmm. Sage Surratt. I got a guy that I got a question if you if you know, and I didn't put it on the show sheet, so if you if you don't, but Demonte Coxie, 
the kid out of Memphis. It looked like he left school after a game or something this year, but he, he looked like he was poised to kind of have a huge breakout year and, and fell flat, prepared himself for the NFL draft. And what, what do you think about that kid? I don't, he, I thought he opted out for the entire season and he's not a player that I studied. I mean, I could give you some off the radar players, um, Cox, I I just I honestly don't have a, a take on Coxie, but if you're looking for size, speed, and you know productivity, I would go to Austin Watkins. I mean, he was a player that you didn't you didn't mention you didn't you didn't ask me no, about. Go for it, but tell but, me, yeah, but Austin Watkins out of UAB, another six three, two hundred and ten pound player. I would expect him to run some another transfer, another JUCO transfer. High yard per carry, average, you know, 17, 18 yards per, per catch. He's getting being utilized downfield. The cousin of Sammy Watkins, bigger, more physical than Sammy Watkins. I've talked a lot about uh, Austin Watkins. Um, senior bowl invite. Senior bowl invite, Ooh. which is usually an indication that the NFL is uh, is pretty high on him. So, That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So he gets the, he gets a chance to play. Look, Senior Bowl is a big deal. I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do again. Pandemic Senior Bowl is going to kind of be a whole different thing. But hopefully, they're able to all get tested, get out there and play because Senior Bowl, we've seen it. You know, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, Terry McLaurin. Uh, I, I'm going Chase back. Claypool. Uh, Denzel Mims. There's yeah, Chase. Claypool. Right. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of guys who've shown their worth there, and then you know uh, we've been able to find them. You know, diamonds in the rough, deep guys that you know. Um, uh, like I said, once they dominated there, we kind of knew they were they were the real deal. Uh, I, you've put him on my board. He's now he's now there, and he's on my radar, and he's on all of our listeners' radars too. So we're all going to be uh, Googling one more, Austin Watkins. One more, one more. Give, we talked. Give we me talked, some more. We talked about uh, Devonta Smith being you know too, too thin and too small. We're on the other, uh, the opposite side of the spectrum. They're going to say that this guy is too big for the position. And that's Warren Jackson out of Colorado State. Yeah. Colorado State has been a, a wide receiver U as of recent with Michael Gallup and Rashard Higgins and Ola B.C. Johnson, and I'm sure I'm forgetting someone with the two receivers there now. Well, Warren Jackson opted out, but Warren Jackson and Dante Wright. Uh, Warren Jackson is 6'6", 210 pounds or so. He was one of Pro Football Focus's highest-rated receivers last season. Um, listen, there's he's always open. Warren Jackson is always open. Now you would think that a six foot six player uh, is going to be lumbering around, like maybe Calvin Benjamin or um, or uh, maybe Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is a little bit rece- a bigger receiver, but no Warren Auden Jackson. Auden Tate is a Auden Tate is as very a, a close comp, but um, Warren Jackson is a fluid mover at six six two hundred and ten pounds. He does not run uh, uh, like he is that big. And, again, like I said, he's always open by virtue of his size. That back shoulder is always open. He can run slants. He can do a little bit. He's not, you know, he's not Stephon Diggs, but he can run routes. He can run the post. He can run the go. He can run the slant. He can be used. He can be played. He can play him outside. The question is, is whether or not he's going to be able to get off press coverage. I don't know that it matters because there's no wide uh, cornerback out there who's going to be able to put their hands, you know, where his hands are when he jumps. Um, but Warren, I'm, I'm just very high on Warren Jackson because of how he moves at that size. Auden Tate is a good comp for him, but he's a more fluid mover. Like if Auden Tate could move, 
that would be Warren Jackson. <laughs> right. I actually said Auden Tate as the not as the comp, but as the one the lumbering. You know, you were saying he doesn't lumber like you know Auden Tate. I remember someone gave him a, a a review coming out of college, and they said it looks like he's running his routes with a piano on his black on his back. So yeah, I mean, I think he's been better than that in the NFL, and and actually a, a pretty competitive player. But um, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, I remember Warren Jackson because he was on my radar last year because I thought he might come out. I mean, cause he was a junior last year. Right. And in his junior season, he played only 10 games uh, for Colorado state. I don't know if they played more than that or whatever, what their schedule was, but he had 77 catches uh, just over 1100 yards for 14 and a half a catch and eight touchdowns. Um, I haven't looked at dominator yet. I'm going to check him out. I don't think they were, I don't know if they were passing the ball around too much, but I, I got to figure that's a pretty good dominator uh, as a junior. You know, as a sophomore, again, only 400 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, freshman, 265 for two. So he and those really two touchdowns, until, uh, Jax, those two touchdowns were against Alabama. Those two freshman touchdowns against Alabama. Trayvon Diggs, who's a, the cornerback for the Cowboys, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but he's a cornerback for the Ravens now. And so those two touchdowns are, you know, him being uh, in his third game against Alabama and getting t- uh, two goal line fades against eventual NFL uh, draft picks. So. Ladies and gentlemen, Felix Sharp. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Look at that. That's why I had him on, man. Harkening back to 2017 Colorado State versus Alabama and telling me that the the two touchdowns for Warren Jackson came against. That's fantastic. I love this. This is so much fun. We're, we're going to go right through the night. We'll just pull an all-nighter. We won't sleep. We'll just get to No, I'm joking. we gotta, we got to call this at some point. But this I'm having so much fun talking to you, brother. This is so, so good. Uh, Warren Jackson, uh, Austin Watkins on my radar. They're, you're right, too. They're the type of players that I want to look at because the big body – and if they can move, and you know, it, it remains to be seen. So I, I like those deeper cuts because those guys have that sort of elite trait uh, of size and speed. So that's pretty cool. I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about quarterback. I, you know, real quickly, I want to touch. Um, yes. You know, there's a there's a big six. Yes. Um, Desmond Ritter was kind of our seven. Uh, he went back to school. He's going back to Cincinnati, and I, I think that may be smart. I, I he may be able to make himself a first-round pick or even a, a top-tier first-round pick potentially. I mean, I don't know if he's that type of player or not, but uh, it's it's at least in the cards now where it was definitely not going to happen this year from what I understand. So, But you know, after the top six, and maybe you have a different top six. I don't know. You did tell me where, where Mac Jones was. He was your five. And then you know, a lot of people have Kyle Trask. Uh, do you have Kyle Trask there? If you do, great. If not, tell me who. And who do you have after him? I don't know that it – so after the top five, I have questions about whether any of the remaining guys are NFL picks. Um, you got Jamie Newman, Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger might be the, the best um, out of the, 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 the remaining guys. But, I mean, we saw, we saw Kyle Trask in the whatever bowl game, his last game. He was absolutely terrible. And my co-host, yeah. my co-host uh, Austin Nace – uh, says that he has Trask as his QB 11. Um, you know, I was actually really high on Derek King, who decided to go back to school. Um, yep. And, you know, you got Jamie Newman, who sat out of Georgia. Jamie Newman is going to win the, the underwear contest when you just kind of look at him uh, in his in his spandex. But 
boy, he can't throw the ball. I mean, he sometimes you'll see him just miss the entire zip code of a wide receiver, and he's kind of touted as a dual threat running back, but he, he is someone who lumbers, so I'm not really high on him. Trask's performance in his last bowl game was something I think Trask reminds me of. I don't know if you remember Byron Leftwich being at Marshall and um, how – kind of Byron left, which had a much stronger arm, but Byron left, which is feet were kind of cement feet. And that's what I see with Kyle Trask. <sighs> you know, I don't know that the NFL uses that type of player anymore. Definitely not in the first round. I, I, I think Kyle Trask is like a fourth round, third or fourth round pick. I mean, that's just me. I think you see the top five, go between, you know, maybe Mac Jones goes in in the beginning of the second round, but I think you see the top uh, four all go in the in the in the in the um, first round and really in the top 20 or so, top 15 or so. And then and then after that, I don't have a good uh, again, I don't have a good feel after Jones. I don't like Trask, I don't like Newman. I, I like Ellinger for his leadership style, but I don't he to me he's kind of a better college quarterback than um uh, well, then he'll be you, the you know, NFL you th- quarterback. You, you threw me off the scent a little bit here, Felix, because on the show sheet I had, I had asked for a couple players, and then you put Tamori and Terry on there, and, and when I asked you about them, you know, you were all gaga, and I thought you had thrown Jamie Newman on there. Maybe that's just my bad. I but, did. No, know, I then, did throw Jamie Newman on there to say that. <laughs> I was like, what, I I was like, what is he did. seeing, this guy? No, no, I absolutely threw Jamie Newman in there to say that, this guy was like at the beginning of the offseason, people were saying that he could be a potential first round draft pick. And that's why he d- decided to opt out out of Georgia. No, I just studied him for for uh, for my show. And that's why for the Debbie debate last week. And I was like, I, I don't know what we see out of this guy. He was a 50 percent passer in high school. And I'm one who believes that. Pl- yeah, fi- like 50.09. Uh, percent passer in, in high school and I'm one who believes that um, players become better versions of themselves but they don't become different players and so you're already starting with a very low floor 50 percent passer but then he didn't play as a freshman he redshirted in 2017 he sat behind John Walford and Kendall Hinton I don't know if people remember when the Broncos <laughs> we sure do yes Kendall Hinton of when, the Broncos when the when the Broncos lost all their quarterbacks and they had to start a practice squad guy a practice squad receiver that was that Kendall Hinton uh, who who uh, Jamie Newman was 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 behind in 2017 at Wake Forest. OK, so we go through 2016, his freshman year, 2017. He's sitting behind a bad quarterback and a wide receiver who plays quarterback. 2018, he loses the job to uh, Sam Hartman, who uh, is starting for them now. But Sam Hartman breaks his leg, and that's when, you know, Jamie Newman kind of took off. He, in late in 2018, he started, and he was, you know, okay, 84 completions, 141 attempts, nine touchdowns, four interceptions. So in 2019, that's his, his one season where he started from start to finish. But it was a very heavy RPO offense. You're talking about, you know, him running with super long mesh points between himself and the running back to draw to draw up the linebackers, and you know occasionally he pulls it out to to throw a slant across the middle. When he was asked to throw the ball outside, when he was asked to throw the ball outside the numbers, you often saw him like just miss the entire area code of a wide receiver. Um, and again, we're starting with the baseline of this being a 50% passer. So you're seeing some of these lack of accuracy issues. The other thing with Newman is um, 
uh, just a complete lack of aware <laughs> awareness in the pocket. Uh, you'll often, t- you know, in some games, you I would see him uh, rushed three. He would be ru- get rushed by three defensive linemen, and some defensive linemen would slowly, you know, make it to him, and he just wouldn't see him. It was just like a weird thing, <laughs> like just lacking po- pocket awareness. And so the reason I put him on the show sheet is that was I, to kill him. Well, just to say, like, who had I think he did. I'm never going to draft Jamie Newman, even in a slow-pitch softball tournament. I don't want him on my team. Yeah, I mean, and again, he was someone who was looked at as a potential first-round draft pick, at least in the offseason last year and in studying him this year. And the only reason that is is because he's 6'4", 230 pounds. Um, Some people call him store brand Cam Newton, and no, 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 he's not. So but here's a a better question. Because now, I mean, you know, stop hitting him. He's already dead, you know. But we know that Jamie Newman is not that good. I was going to say I didn't see much in the data that would would show me that he's a good player. But as a true sophomore, Mm -hmm. in nine games, Sage Surratt had 66 catches, 1,000 yards, and 11 touchdowns in that offense. 15 yards a catch at 6'4", 6'3", 215 pounds. Is Sage Surratt good? He might be good. He might be, you know, Michael Pittman. Um, I, I, the, this, this, the six foot four kind of jump ball receivers. That's not my particular cup of tea. But you can't deny no the numbers that he put up in in that offense. There, but there are going to be a lot of people who are higher on on Sage Surratt than I am. It's just because, Jax, I mean, I had uh, uh, Mike Williams from USC uh, in Detroit, you know, and I thought Mike Williams was going to be that guy, you know, jump ball receiver who broke out as a freshman. I mean, one of the greatest college receivers of of all time, really, Um, young college receivers of all time. And that skill set didn't translate, and that was back then when they, people were still throwing jump balls to folks. Um, but you know, he could be Gabe Davis, he could be Michael Pittman, but I, uh, there are going to be people that are higher on Sage Sherratt than I am. I'm higher, for example. I mean, I'm higher on on Austin Watkins because I think that Austin Watkins can kind of do all of the contested catch stuff that that Sage Sherratt can do, but he can also take the top off the defense. And I don't know that Sage Sherratt can do that. So. Interesting. Well, we're running out of time. You, you've got to go. You've given us so much. Obviously, the, the thing that we now know is that we could, I could ask you questions till the cows come home, as the old saying goes, and, and you're going to have a, a smart, awesome, you know, interesting answer to every one of it, uh, every one of them. So for that, I thank you for for gracing us with 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 your knowledge on the show. You're just amazing. I love you. Um, I think you're doing great work everywhere you're at. I I want to ask you about one last prospect, if you know anything about him, because he, he's someone that I uncovered, and I don't know nothing, as I point out. But um, I, his name is Elijah Mitchell. Are you familiar with this running back? Yes, I, I I am. I'm actually I know the entire ULL backfield. I'm actually high on all three of those guys. There's a there's a redshirt sophomore at ULL that I actually like. Um, yeah, yeah, I so there's Elijah Mitchell, there's Trey Regis, and there's Chris Smith in that ULL backfield. They're all really good players, all uh, different skill sets. 
Elijah Mitchell is kind of the more well-rounded guy. Um, and Jax, you can talk to like breakout age and, and all that stuff, but he's a very well-rounded player. I think he's 218 pounds, um, can catch the ball. Uh, uh, my, you know, he, he, when I say well-rounded, I'm thinking like of a Gus Edwards type player who can kind of do everything well and probably fits into a committee. Um, that so I don't think he has the long speed but you have to like that he has the size and the ability to move the way he can at two almost 220 pounds um, and has been a very productive uh, player there at ULL the Sun Belt was fun this year and he was one of the reasons why um, so I, I like him I think he's a day three guy so he's and a day three guy with a chance is basically what we a got A day here. three guy with a chance, which is good at run. I mean, that's good in this class. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Fourth, fifth so. round, a free agent pickup after the – who knows, right? I mean, just a sort of a guy to keep your radar on. I mean, look, he just had really good production numbers. Yes. Uh, I know, you know, yards per carry isn't everything, but he was consistently at six or above his whole career. He was a touchdown scorer. He caught passes out of the backfield, 12 yards a catch over his career. You know, hey, not bad. Um, you know, the size is really prototypical at five. They list him at five eleven. Maybe he's five ten, two eighteen. So five ten, two twenty is just about what you want to see. So he's got a lot of prototypical stuff. He's a small school kid. You know, a lot of times looking for that next Aaron Jones. I'm not saying he's Aaron Jones. I'm just saying the way Aaron Jones came out of UTEP. You know, fifth round draft pick in the NFL draft. You know, that's a late kid with a chance and. So we're just going to keep, you know, sort of our eyes open up for a, for a ton of those guys. And, and uh, you know, I know I'll be in contact with Felix uh, on Twitter. You all should be in contact with Felix on Twitter. You just – all you have to do is follow him. That's it. That's how you get in contact with him. You just you just go on Twitter and go to at sharp review, all one word, on Twitter. You find Felix there, uh, you know. I mean, he's more bold than me. He's got his, his his mug up there. I mean, I would say ugly mug. He's got a good-looking mug. I would put my ugly mug up there. Nobody would follow me. I'd get blocked all the time. So I have to use some other avatar. But he's lucky enough to be able to use his own mug. So he's he's the man. He does a lot of great work. And he's a great follow because he, he's very smart, as you guys can tell, and and, and kind as, as the day is long. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, and, 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 and you're awesome, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. I mean, the time just went by. I mean, I know it's 1150 or whatever, but, man, I just like talking football, and you're a really smart guy. I always I go to your anatomy of different uh, player positions all the time when I'm like, all right, does this guy kind of fit what it is that we need? So um, I, you're one of the smartest folks uh, out there in the fantasy world, and I appreciate talking to you. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to do another anatomy series again because it really is helpful and you just try and refine it. And you know, a lot of people get it twisted. You know, the, the anatomy series isn't trying to find a good player. It's trying to, to avoid the bad players more so. It's like, you know, understanding, you know, if a guy doesn't have this, that, and the other, he probably isn't. You know, if a guy does, it doesn't mean he is. It just means he has the criteria to be that, um, you know. It's it's you know that makes sense you know in other words just trying to eliminate mistakes more than anything and and in this crazy game that's all we're trying to do we're trying to increase our odds with every every move we make and when we when we talk to and listen to a guy like Felix we're increasing our odds just by by being around him because he's so smart thank you hey listen Felix you're the man on behalf of everybody at the Undroppables and on behalf of my awesome producer and editor and and friend and uh, cohort Kane and Harris and everybody else here at the Undrafted. Peace out.